Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential, and here's your host, Jeff Crank. All right, well, thank you. Welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us again. You know, we've all heard the term disinformation or fact-checked or, you know, fake news, but who should be able to decide if you get to see that information, you, uh, a private company, or the government. Well, I know it's frustrating sometimes, but it's one thing from a private company to label information as disinformation because the consumer has a voice and they can use their time and money to make a different decision. They can go use a different platform or buy a different product if they don't like the one in question. But it is different when it seems that the government is trying to censor information. You know, there's almost no right guaranteed to the American people by the Bill of Rights more venerated than the First Amendment's right to freedom of speech, which prohibits government from making laws which infringe upon free speech. That's the bedrock of our American constitutional framework. And last year, the Department of Homeland Security announced a disinformation governance board. That kind of scary sounding. You probably remember that. And there were a lot of questions. The biggest being, who decides what is disinformation? What was the board's mission? What was their goals? Last year, when the board was announced, Americans for Prosperity Foundation filed a Freedom of Information Act request to see if they could find answers to these questions and determine how much of a threat this board is to Americans' First Amendment rights. Now, fast forward to this year, and Americans for Prosperity Foundation has filed another Freedom of Information Act request, this time to see if the State Department was funding the efforts to blacklist conservative views. And I want to say, whether you're a conservative or you're liberal or you're on this side or that side of a particular issue, safeguarding the free speech rights of all Americans should be our shared goal. I don't want to stop someone who I disagree with I don't want to infringe upon their free speech rights. In fact, I cherish their free speech rights. I want to enhance their free speech rights because by doing, by enhancing their free speech rights, I'm enhancing my own and the free speech rights of every single American. Now, a government willing to violate the free speech rights of those with whom you disagree will soon be violating your free speech rights as well. Now, two State Department entities have paid a British nonprofit Global Disinformation Index, or GDI, $330,000. GDI and its U.S. affiliates have pushed for major ad companies to not work with right-of-center news outlets because GDI has deemed these publications as quote-unquote disinformation. What a convenient way to simply shut down debate on an issue that the government doesn't like. Convenient if you hold the levers of power, but 
unconstitutional and not in the traditions of America. On today's podcast, we have Director of Investigations at Americans for Prosperity Foundation, Kevin Schmidt, to talk about these Freedom of Information Act requests and the concerns that they have raised. Kevin, thanks for being with us. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. Yeah. So did I frame this right? I mean, first of all, let's, I want to talk about freedom of speech for just a quick second um, and how important that is. And we have to defend the free speech rights. This is an insidious thing when we disagree with someone else and we say, well, we better cancel them. We better, we better shut them down. I mean, in effect, we're shutting our own free speech rights down when we do that. Freedom of speech is the bedrock principle or one of them that America sits upon. Yeah, I agree completely. And, you know, that's why we're able to have this conversation here about these important issues is because we have the free speech rights. And it's kind of ironic that as our ability to have free speech online and elsewhere is growing, now the government is sort of looking at this sort of sideways thinking, well, I'm not sure we like this as much anymore. We might have to look at ways to limit this. Yeah. Now, I want to talk to you about Americans for Prosperity Foundation. Tell me a little bit more about Americans for Prosperity Foundation and what it does. Sure. So our team at uh, Americans for Prosperity Foundation, we use tools like federal and state federal freedom of information laws. We conduct oversight and hold hold officials accountable for things like waste, fraud, abuse, cronyism, violations of constitutional rights. We file and we litigate all of our requests in-house. And I'm happy to say I work with some of the nation's foremost experts on FOIA litigation. That's been very helpful for me. Yeah. And that's great work. I mean, obviously, and we see this all the time. You know, government, it doesn't do good things sometimes when they do it in secret. And so the Freedom of Information Act at the federal level and, you know, some of these uh, open record laws around the country in states and counties and other places, it's really a powerful tool that isn't used enough across across the country. But it sounds like Americans for Prosperity Foundation does use those and not just in the federal area, but also in state. Is that right? That's right. We've uh, most recently we've been working with the uh, state chapter in Illinois. We've been helping them investigate the, the cronyism for the new Bears Stadium. Right. And in Kansas, we've been helping the state chapter look into a cronyism program called the Star Bond Program. So we've got longstanding fights there where we're taking it to the the state agency and the the village in Illinois, where they've given us some records, but there's there's fights with the attorney general where we have appeals there trying to get more records out of them. Yeah, we did. We did a podcast episode on the Bears Stadium, and so I'm I'm glad to hear that you were helping them in that. Brian Costin joined us, and we talked about some of the great work that they're doing in that area. So let's talk about this a little bit. I mean, first of all, it really does cross a line. It crosses the First Amendment line, right? When it's the government, like deciding what is what is disinformation or not disinformation i mean that really is a a a violation of the first amendment correct correct i mean and there there is some blurred lines at, at least in terms of legally in terms of what the government can do right there are some very stark ones where if the government is funding a group explicitly to go after american speech then that's a problem that violates the first amendment there's some other examples in the current debate right now where that's a little bit more blurry but at least here i think there's enough uh, smoke here where that that's why we put the, in the FOIA request because if it's if it's clear that they're doing what it looks like they're doing that's very bad and that's very highly likely to be a constitutional violation right now i mean i think most 
people listening will remember this, that when this Department of Homeland Security announced this disinformation governance board, there, there was an outcry. I mean, I, I think, thankfully, it, it saw the light of day and, and people, for the most part, reacted uh, uh, in a negative way to the fact that they're having a government disinformation board. And it sounded like something, you know, coming out of a, a government, not an American government, some government that doesn't respect uh, freedom of speech. For its citizens, but what what information was there about the board when when this was announced? I mean, th- w- how hard was it to find out about this board? You guys did do some searching and you found some some information out about it. So we filed the FOIA request back last May. We're still in FOIA litigation. There, we're getting rolling productions every month from DHS. And we have learned a few things. Uh, it's tough with DHS because in any federal agency is that they're going to withhold just about anything they can. So there's lots of blacked out pages, lots of information that they, in our opinion, should be releasing to us that they're not, which we're going to have to fight about later. A couple of things that we found is that there was some debate about the name. There's There are emails that they've given us where uh, folks are like, we need to discuss the name. They redact the rest of it, what they're actually going to say about it. So there was some debate about the name. We know that they were working on issues like Ukraine and what they call irregular migration, which I assume is uh, illegal immigration. And obviously those have... Lots of discussion here from American citizens. That's why it's so concerning. But there's obviously forward disinformation on those things as well. So, I mean, did did you find was this being used like to to label certain people in in America or to label information from certain groups as disinformation? That's what we want to know. So when I I mentioned Ukraine and irregular migration, those are two memos that we have. Those are the two things that they stood up meetings for before it got shut down. They've withheld those documents in full so far. So all we have is the title slides. But that is something that we're going to push for as this litigation goes farther. And this is very frustrating. The Freedom of Information Act, um, you know, requires that they be uh, forthcoming with this information. And it seems like despite that, a lot of federal agencies continue to fight and stall and not give this information uh, to the people that are requesting it. Right. There's an exemption called Exemption 5, which covers what's called the deliberative process, the sort of like the give and take of giving and mm-hmm. receiving advice. It also covers a, a attorney work product or attorney client privilege. And this is the the exemption that most documents fall into either rightly or incorrectly. And what it's called the withhold it because you want to exemption. Mm-hmm. So if there's any if there's any doubt, put a put a black redaction over it and put a B five next to it, and chances are you'll be safe. Right. Okay. Because nobody else can really check to see if it truly is B five or not. Right. Unless you're either appealing or like us, if you're in litigation. So right. as we get further into this litigation, we'll point out certain documents saying we'd like to challenge the redactions on X, Y, and Z documents, and then we'll have the court either. Uh, at best, the, the best case scenario is that you give the, the court the documents in camera mm-hmm. so they can see the unredacted versions and then make a decision as to whether those were done correctly. And we've, done, we've been down that path before in other cases. And that's usually the best thing you can hope for. And sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. Yeah, but it, it seems like this is way harder than it should be. I mean, how much, I mean, what does it cost to litigate some of these things? This is a lot of money it costs to go get the government to do what it should be doing in the first place. Right. I mean, it's certainly a lot of time and there, there's filing fees that, I mean, if we didn't have in-house attorneys, it sure. would be uh, you know, thousands upon thousands of dollars. And then, and then obviously on the government taxpayer side, there, there's costs there. Whereas if they could just release the documents, because there's also something uh, in the FOIA reform bill many uh, a few years back, they added what's called a foreseeable harm standard. 
what mm-hmm. that means is that even if it, you can withhold it under an exemption, you have to look and make sure it doesn't violate some foreseeable harm. Basically, the idea was to try to say even if it meets this uh, exact standard, you should still think about releasing it if it doesn't harm an interest. And mm-hmm. for the most part, agencies are not doing that very well or at all. Right. Okay. So you had did you have other groups uh, at advocates of civil liberties? that also raised concern over this disinformation government's board. It wasn't Americans for Prosperity Foundation alone by itself on this. There were other groups that came out and, and supporters of the efforts that you're doing, right? That's right. The, when, when the board was announced, it was pretty bipartisan, or at least there's a cross-ideological set of groups, the ACLU, uh, the Brennan Center, Protect Democracy, uh, from like the more left side, then obviously us and the, the Heritage Foundation and other groups on the right. There was a fairly strong set of, of pushback, more than I actually thought there was going to be, but I was actually surprised to see all these groups come out strongly against the board. Yeah. And, and across, across like ideological spectrum, right? We, there were people who traditionally are considered on the left, some on the right that came out and, uh, and opposed this. Correct. That's right. I mean, having the ACL and the Heritage Foundation and the right. Americans for Prosperity Foundation all in one issue is, is something that, that doesn't happen very that, often, that but it's good to see. That's right. Okay, Kevin. Okay. So um, through the information that was released, you all found out that uh, Secretary Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security, was exchanging information through a personal email account uh, rather than through the federal. Because is there some provision that that's exempted from from FOIA? Uh, tell me about that. What did you learn in that regard? So in uh, I think our second document production, we saw that. A couple of emails were, were forwarded through. One, the, the main one was what was called a press roundup, which is usually just a roundup of press clips. But they redacted a bunch of information within within those news stories, which was which was curious. And then we found out further in the, in the chain that someone within DHS forwarded forwarded that email to Mayorkas to his private account, and he responded from that account. And that was captured obviously because it's there. But we don't know. Is that if if they knew to forward it to that private account, chances are they've done it before. And under FOIA, under the Federal Records Act, those are federal records. Those are things you have to produce if if requested. They have to be saved. But the problem is, is that we don't know how much is there in that in that private account. Mm-hmm. We know it was used. We we know that they know what that email is, and chances are they've done it before. And that's why I think we had to request more information. Mm-hmm. And so that'll come out, you think, through the litigation. Correct. So we, we, we have a lawsuit we, fought, we filed there for that specific request. And ideally, we can get a judge to give us an order preserving the records in that account. And then that way we can search from there. Gotcha. Okay. Now, you, you later went on, Americans for Prosperity Foundation went on and filed another Freedom of Information Act request. But, but this time, with, uh, it involved the State Department. And uh, what was what did you request in that regard with the State Department? So at the state, uh, we sent two requests. One was to the Global Engagement Center within the State Department, which is in sort of an interagency working group, has the state working on disinformation issues. Uh, the other one was to the National uh, Endowment for Democracy, which is funded by the State Department, but is technically a nonprofit, but it's statutorily subject to FOIA. We sent requests to b- both those places because they are funding. The, what you mentioned earlier, the Global Disinformation Index, which was blacklisting conservative news sites. And what we asked for is essentially, give us all your information about these grants you gave to the GDI and all your communications about those grants. So so you would be, now, 
I want to be clear here because there's some people that say, well, you know, would think about this and say, well, they're only doing it because they're, they're conservative. I mean, you would be opposed to, or Americans for Prosperity Foundation would be opposed to this if they were blacklisting sort of liberal news sites as well, correct? Blacklisting anyone. Yeah. Regardless of their political views, this is, this is not right. something the government should be doing. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's particularly distasteful that they're take, using taxpayer money and then, uh, you know, trying to then have the government put a brand or a label on certain taxpayers who pay, who pay uh, taxes that, that, that what they're putting out is disinformation. I mean, that to me, that's kind of a pretty clear violation of the first amendment and what the first amendment means. Do you agree with that? I agree with that. So their defense, yeah, at least so only the national endowment for democracy has explained its sort of piece in this. And they say the grant was for foreign work. And at least a couple of weeks ago, they announced that they were no longer giving giving grants to GDI. We have not heard yet from the Global Engagement Center. Apparently, they're giving a congressional briefing on this issue on Wednesday, so we might not know more then. But the fact that they haven't made a similar uh, promise like NED did is, is troubling uh, because they could come out today and say, you know, we, we funded foreign stuff. It wasn't for uh, domestic things. We're no longer going to fund this, but they have not done so. So that's why I think it's important. Number one, we can't take these officials at their word. Whether it's the State Department or DHS, there's no credibility with the federal government on these issues. So we're going to have to go through and make sure we get all the, all these documents from them, make sure that they said what they uh, what what they're doing is correct and not violating the First Amendment. Yeah. So as you look at this, uh, you said that they came out and said the National Endowment for Democracy says they're not going to do any more grants to GDI. That never would have happened if you hadn't done this Freedom of Information Act request. Would you agree? I mean, I agree, I agree with that. That's one of the reasons we work in this space. Yeah, right. Number one, number one, you want the documents. But number two, you want to raise the transaction cost for bad policy. Right. And whether, whether that's here at, at the State Department or elsewhere, it's a way to raise attention to these issues and show uh, state actors that they're doing something wrong and they should rethink what they're doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, as a taxpayer, thank you. Thank you for doing that. Uh, and, you know, we th- these are the kinds of things. This is what being a watchdog is all about. And so I, I thank you for doing that. Uh, what is this global in- disinformation index? What does it do? What What is it about? So from the what I've read in the examiner and the slide decks that, that have been discussed, it looks like when they decide things are misinformation and they, they had a group of 10 uh, conservative news sites that were disinformation, including the Washington Examiner, had Reason Magazine on there. And what they were doing is that they were flagging advertisements that appear on those shows, like say there was an, uh, an advertisement for Amazon, and it would have a they would circle that adver- that advertisement and say, hey, look, Amazon, your ad is showing up on this, what they call disinformation, whether it's Reason Magazine or whatever. And then they would sort of use that to pressure them to stop doing that. Wow. that That's... That's pretty amazing. I mean, that, that is, so the government basically using this through grants, right, to this GDI, uh, using it to really chill speech and get involved in the marketplace of ideas. And who, so who were some of the people that were targeted? You mentioned the Washington Examiner, Reason Magazine. Were there others that were out yeah, there? Yeah, uh, I don't remember all 10, but Reason, Washington Examiner, the American Conservative, uh, Newsmax, and then there were there were others that I don't remember off the top of my head, but I mean, some of those you could 
you could quabble with as a private citizen, but you know, reason magazine or the Washington examiner, stuff like that is just ridiculous. Yeah. So do, do they say they claim to be non nonpartisan? <laughs> this GDI claims that they're nonpartisan. I, could you see that nonpartisan nature in the rankings that they did? I mean, if you, if I told you nothing about this and said a group like this was doing rankings, you could easily <laughs> spell out what they were going to do. Sure. Were there any were there any sort of left of center news organizations at all on their list? Not a single one. Not one. So this wasn't really a thing about disinformation. See, it's all it's all about who gets to label something as disinformation. And that's what's frustrating, I think, to the American people is, you know, it should be a free flow of ideas. I think people feel that they're smart enough to make decisions about stuff and whether it's true or not true. But this labeling is kind of an ins- it's kind of an insidious thing for free speech, isn't it? Especially when it's the government doing it. Well, look, I mean, money is fungible. They're getting government money and they're doing this stuff that's that's questionable. I mean, questionable on the merits of what they're doing, but then yeah. they're using it to pressure people and, and affect American speech. That can't be happening. It, were you able to find instances where the pressure worked, like did the Washington Examiner or Reason Magazine uh, look at this and say, oh, oh, yeah, you're right. We probably ought to not have uh, not take this advertisement. Did you find any instances of that or not yet? I didn't. I recall, uh, at least with, with regard to the the examiner, that the issue that they flagged was uh, a story about trans rights, I think written by a commentary writer, which is which is what was funny about it. But obviously they were upset about the point of view of the opinion editorial written by uh, Quinn Hillier, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they flagged that as disinformation, even though it seems like it's just they didn't like the opinion that they read there. Yeah. You know, I mean, to relate this to something, and I, I don't want to get into the whole COVID thing and where it was started and all of that, but, you know, there's lots of stuff coming out today that a year ago or two years ago was labeled as disinformation. And we're finding out that a lot of it was tr- was accurate and true, whether it's with regard to that or not. And that's the danger of labeling things as disinformation or misinformation and and having this sort of I don't know, seal of approval and particularly a government seal of approval. It, it is, you know, we don't know all the answers until, until we kind of figure out all the facts. And it seems like sometimes this is used to cover things up. And again, I'm not talking about anything specific there, but there are lots of instances where that's the case. Something was said, it was disinformation. And later we found out, well, no, it actually seemed to be correct. That's right. And the, the most pernicious part is that the disinformation or the lies or the massaging of the truth that comes from the government, that never gets flagged. There's no there's no disinformation flags on, you know, State Department tweets or sure. tweet, tweets from folks in, at the CDC. None of that's ever happened. Yeah. It only happens when the government, you know, essentially forces private actors to work on their behalf to do it. Which isn't wasn't that the reason that our founding fathers set up the First Amendment? Right. So that the government wasn't the arbiter of truth. There were watchdogs, there were differing opinions and citizens were in charge of those uh, those opinions rather than the government. I mean, it seems to me that's the whole reason we have a First Amendment. Exactly. And if I can give you one more example. Yeah, there was there was litigation between state attorney general and the new Civil Liberties Alliance against the government, basically on these these covid issues and, and using the government to silence social media folks on social media. Right. And if you remember one of the things that came out, I think it was last July of 2021, mm-hmm. President Biden came out and accused Facebook of killing people with misinformation. 
mm-hmm. and that looked curious at the time. It looked bad. But then after the emails came out during discovery, apparently the Biden White House officials had been emailing Facebook for months before that saying, you need to do more. You need to take down these certain people on your platform, make sure they don't appear in search. And Facebook, for the most part, said, you know, we have a disagreement of opinion here. We're not going to do as much as you want us to do. Of course, they made them mad. And then what happens after that is that President Biden accuses them on TV of killing people. Right. Maybe that's not a uh, something you could win in court as a violation of First Amendment, but it's something that should be wrong, that should be held accountable for it, which I'm not sure we can under you know, current precedent. But that's what struck me. That's always stuck out to me over the last few years of, in this debate. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I think we've answered the question about why people should be concerned about this. But if you're, let's say you're listening to this podcast and you're left of center, I mean, it would be easy to say, well, good for them. They deserve it. We've weaponized government against them, all that. But, but tell, take a second and tell folks, maybe to, to a listener who's hearing this and is left of center, why this is, why this is bad for them too. Well, I mean, if, if you recall recently, the, under the Trump administration, there was issues where his his White House was asking Twitter to take down certain pieces of content. So uh, the, the, the administrative state and the presidency isn't always going to be on your side. It might seem like it is, but that right. can change. And then this can flip on a dime and it could be left of center speech that's targeted. And, is, and isn't it really about who's in charge? Is it the government in charge of ideas or is it the citizens and the people that are in charge? I mean, that's what the first amendment is about. And I think that's really what this issue gets down to is, you know, should we have a free, honest, open debate about it and, and reasonable people can disagree or does the government just tell us, well, these people are right and these people are wrong. Cause that's kind of what, you know, all these wars have been fought to preserve through the years and what our founding fathers set out in the first amendment. That's right. And I think that's why there's been some discussion moving forward and how we can sort of fix these issues, because at least so far, it doesn't seem to be a great way to do it through the courts. There's been reform options like uh, requiring the government to pu- proactively publish any outreach to social media companies. And there's other ideas along those lines that might get us something. But uh, really, we need to prohibit these the, the government from asking for these sorts of things. Yeah. Because if, if we don't do that, they're just going to keep doing it. And they're going to they're going to do it as long as as they think it benefits them and they can do it without high costs. Right. And if you're if you're right of center and you're listening to this, you know, you should not you should look at this and say, I don't want to be targeted and I don't want them targeting groups that are left of center. The government the government is wrong to target these ideas, whether they're right, left in the middle, no matter where they are. It is wrong to have government reach in and try and do this. Okay, what is Congress is Congress doing anything about this, Kevin? Uh, they're doing inquiries similar. They've been asking for documents and testimony, and they're working behind the scenes right now, at least on the uh, the most recent issue. There were some hearings on the disinformation board. I think they are bringing some of those uh, officials for uh, direct testimony sometime in the next few months. But at least on the bill front, there's really not much going on that I've seen. Um, but there is certainly more scrutiny from groups like us, people uh, people on the Hill, so, I mean, I, I'm hoping there's been some effect there just in terms of turning the heat up on uh, these government agencies and what they're doing against free speech. So if if somebody listening to this podcast, they want to keep up to date with this story or learn you know, a little bit more about where it goes from here, where's the best place for them to go? Uh, Americansforprosperity.org. If you 
search for any of uh, disinformation board or for global disinformation index, all that stuff will pop up where it's in the recent uh, press releases as well. Um, but that's the best way to keep up with our work is through the, the AFP website. All right. Well, Kevin, first of all, thanks for taking the time to tell us about this, but most importantly, thanks for like being a vanguard against this kind of government excess. And, uh, you know, again, this stuff wouldn't have even been found out. I find it kind of ironic that, you know, newspapers like the Washington Examiner or reporters like that didn't even probably even know this was happening, though they had the ability to file a Freedom of Information Act request as well. Uh, It took you to do that. And so you're kind of a watchdog for the watchdogs, if you will, in that as well. That's kind of an interesting side note to this story. But listen, this is important stuff. There's nothing more precious to to me as an American than the First Amendment. And uh, this to me is is clearly the government trying to pass a law that would infringe upon uh, the freedom of speech rights of its citizens. So thanks, Kevin. Appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. Yeah. Okay. So listen, if you'd like to get connected with Americans for Prosperity Foundation, and uh, I'd get you connected directly to Kevin, if you would like, or if you'd like to learn more about the great things that they do, send me an email at jeff at americanpotential.com. Our podcast, of course, has uh, been working on stories to help keep you inspired and informed. This is certainly one, hopefully, that kept you informed. The best way for you to stay connected with us is by liking or subscribing to our channel. And you can do that on Facebook, on Twitter, and on YouTube. And again, if you know of a great story, and we're always looking for these great stories, someone working to expand freedom and opportunity, and you want us to share that, be sure to go to our website, AmericanPotential.com. You can fill out our share our share your story section. And if you fill that out, we'll get back to you. And uh, we might highlight the story. Thanks for listening to American Potential. Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com.